Welcome to Small Business Big Impact. These are lessons from the trenches of running a business with a multiple bottom line. Purpose, people, planet, and profit. Get the inside scoop on what it takes to succeed at using business as a force for good. Kelly Turbasket of Indigenize and Kinshift and Andrew Greer of Purple share the story of how they met and how their relationship continues to evolve in the context of Indigenous settler dynamics. Kelly is an Indigenous woman who serves Indigenous communities through Indigenize and settlers through Kinshift. Andrew coaches and collaborates with social entrepreneurs to build enterprises and initiatives that address systemic inequity. Theirs was a natural fit that others around them noticed before they did. Their beginning had a bumpy start, but their openness and courage provided a path for connection, growth, and ongoing learning. Listen to their story to get the insight into how to work towards building authentic relationships between settlers and Indigenous people. Well, I'm really excited to have you, Andrew and Kelly, and we're going to be talking about being in relationship, particularly the relationship uh, between Indigenous and settler organizations. And ultimately, it's like, I imagine Indigenous and and, and settler relationships, period, right? Because it's more about the people involved. And Kelly, if you would be willing to start us off with a story to help us ground in the beginning of this journey that you we're going to go on. I'd love to. Thank you, Jalen. Yeah, I've I remember how I was first told and uh, learned about Purple and Andrew and through a mutual friend and just encouraged quite a few times, you know, over over every time I saw this person, they're like, did you do did you make contact yet? So I was like, okay, okay. So I got online and I I was like, awesome, a one day workshop, that's perfect. So, um, but I remember reading the poster thinking, wow, this looks like it's for business people because it's like social enterprise and social enterprise. I associated it as like, business is not me. I can see myself in that poster. And, um, but because I was nudged, I went. And And so this is where I first met met Andrew, he was facilitating this workshop and introduced to the work of Purple. And what attracted me was that I had been running Indigenous for a while and I, you know, I was like, just always feel like we're spinning our wheels. We're not getting a solid foundation uh, with our um, funding, you know, it's like, so I need to have more of a business approach, sustainable funding revenue. So some of the words on the poster attracted me to that um, and knowing your impact and stuff so yeah so that got me to the room and then when I was in the room I just remember looking around as you do as a person of color as an indigenous person you always scan the room is there anyone here that anyone else is indigenous is there any other people of color other intersectionalities it was pretty pretty minimal <laughs> So um, how I enter that space is, you know, like peripheral, like, okay, just be careful, kind of like you got your back to the wall, you know, you're like, really, not quite, but, you know, kind of that essence of very careful guarded. And uh, yeah, so um, that was our first introduction. I don't know if you want to say anything else, Andrew, to your memories of that day, but that's kind of how I entered into our, my first memories. Uh, Thanks for... (laughs) recounting that uh, somewhat painful memory. (laughs) Um, 
as Kelly shared, we were actually both encouraged to meet each other by the same folks uh, a few times. And it, in some of the same kind of feelings, uh, but slightly different, I, I was intimidated when, when to speak with Kelly, um, you know, a powerful, successful indigenous leader. I was, I was nervous. And that kind of got in the way. I was facilitating this workshop. Kelly came in right, right near the end, just before it started. And, you know, I'm in the mode of trying to make sure everything's like getting started right. And I didn't think for a moment about how she might be feeling. I didn't recognize or facilitate for any different experience that she was having. And I think my nervousness even got in the way of trying to start a relationship because I was already intimidated by this powerful, successful indigenous woman. I'm just like, oh shit, I'm a settler and a white male. Like I'm kind of the bad guy in the room. I was already feeling um, kind of shame about just the historic wrongdoing, not even historic, the, what I've now learned current wrongdoings of folks like me and that immediately got in the way of like even having a nice, pleasant, like, hey, nice to meet you kind of conversation. Whenever you share that, I just like, I'm like, I had no idea you were going through all that. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I just felt like, oh, he's up there facilitating and doesn't notice me or, you know, I was like, yeah. yeah I I was pretty comfortable in the facilitation role, but pretty uncomfortable in the like, let's build a sensible relationship. It was, uh, yeah, I was intimidated. I'm sure I came across as a bit distant and cool, which is the opposite of what I wanted, but specifically with Kelly. Hmm. And how did that journey continue? Well, I'm trying to think of what I, I remember when I left that, that workshop, because like, not only, you know, I didn't feel like, you know, connected or Andrew and I didn't form a connection there. Um, but I just remember feeling like I was not a, not a sense of belonging. Like I didn't have a sense of like, these are my people. <clears throat> I was very inspired at the concept of social enterprise where I was like, oh, okay. It's not, not in this box of business, but it's like, it's people like me who want to make a difference in the world and want to make a living out of that. Wow. Powerful, beautiful. That's very in alignment with indigenous ways of being and knowing. So I left with that, um, but I didn't feel connected to the people at my table. It was just kind of like, I'm going to go in as I do with my guard on very extractive, get what I need and leave. <laughs> and I did, I got a great framework, really good information. And so I'm trying to remember how, um, where, what the next step, I think it was that proposal, wasn't it, Andrew? I reached out to you next. I had put some money together locally in the Okanagan to support coaching for social entrepreneurs. That, that's the work of Purple. The primary work of Purple is to have long-term coaching and collaboration relationships with folks like Kelly who are building sustainable social enterprise and impact organizations. And so we put this money together and in a lot of ways we can, in some good ways and some potentially dangerous ways, we can influence like where the money goes. And this is in some ways it's good because the funders are keeping their hands off the money and they sort of 
give us lots of ability to go and say, you go find organizations that would be sort of folks to participate in this coaching program. So I, I reached out to Kelly and said, hey, we've got a bit of money to significantly subsidize some work together. Would you consider applying for this? And that, like what I've learned now, that that sort of like way of approaching it was really colonized. And I, I didn't even really think about that kind of like power dynamic that I, like, I've got the money, do you want a bunch of it um, to subsidize some work together? And uh, I didn't even think about it. Yeah, because that's so common in, in settler culture, right? I've got money, come beg for it. Pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Well, and yeah, using that word, you know, it, it felt like it was very intimidating, the application process at that time. Um, was a panel and so and a PowerPoint <laughs> and I just you know it's so hard to find time as a leader of a social enterprise as you know running I facilitate I manage a team I you know I have like so many hats so I was like oh another layer another thing to do so that was that felt overwhelming but I could see the value in working with Purple after that one day workshop for sure. And so I went, I did it. And it was a very hard experience being in that room, sitting up there in the front with this panel of, uh, were they all white, Andrew? That's my memory. It feels like they were all white. I, I don't recall, but I expect so. Yeah, and just, you know, had a very short period of time, which is hard for, me um, and I think for Indigenous people, we're storytellers. We, uh, the way we commu communicate, and this is not a, like a stereotype. Not everyone does, but like it's very common that the way we share what matters to us and share is more story format. And so, um, I think I only got twenty minutes or something, and I was like, I don't know how to tell the amazing impact of. Indigenize in 20 minutes, that's one story. <laughs> so that was the whole experience was very intimidating is what my from my memory, but I was successful. So that's how <laughs> our relationship continued was I, I was chosen as one of the funded projects. So at what point did you feel like it started uh, shifting in a more quote positive direction? I think that uh, when Andrew asked to meet with me in person and we had a walk and that stands out like we, we walked together and, you know, like shared story. I, our, uh, yeah. our first in person, I, uh, we, we had a short walk and then met and then had coffee at a yeah. shop in Penticton and the starting point of that conversation, I asked you about Coyote. Right. And I, I do think that um, that's when I started noticing like you were, you had obviously a bit of knowledge, like you were like, um, using like seal instead of gen generalizing indigenous and there's certain things that you notice when you're indigenous of like, um, that is where you kind of know where the person's at. So there was a few more signs. I remember in that in that encounter where I was like, okay, he's, Andrew has definitely been trying to learn and making an effort. Yeah. That really shifted for me when 
you know, the, the personal where I got to know you as a person, not just this, um, you know, white male settler in a, you know, so that those um, power differences that are at play in our relationship, you know, started to equalize a little bit, like started to shift through sharing personal story is huge. You know, learning about your family. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, and peaches. <laughs> yes, that was also huge, too. I was like, I don't know if, you know, if you just instinctively did that, but that is very big for, you know, building relationship with Indigenous people is, is um, you know, gift, especially something that you worked at doing, like you can those peaches and the salsa and, uh yeah so it's like not something you just bought at the store and gave it to me like it was very meaningful what i'm noticing is that what we're talking about here is like real relationship building right and that's something that you know i think it does exist in settler culture but not necessarily always so much in business and as I, i'm wondering if that's one like one of the things that's that's different is that that, that the, the personal is it is far more front and center in all the indigenous uh experience so we've we've been talking about that Kelly and I a little bit lately in actually trying to bridge more uh, professional or work relationships into personal relationships, and we didn't really start that way. That is for sure. But we are coming around that way. But certainly at the start, I didn't have that intention in mind. You know, broadly speaking, I was focused like a little bit on diversity and reconciliation. And those were like the big buzzwords that were driving some of my behavior and desire. Um, it, it came from more of a personal place uh, than, than that. Really, my sort of journey into this kind of work started with climate change. And I quit, like got into that sort of movement and reading and learning. And you, you can see if you dig into it, especially here in British Columbia, that indigenous people are very powerful in the climate movement, um, actually, because a lot of the land is unseated and there has to, there, there's actually significant power. And so from an allyship perspective, if we want anything to happen around climate, indigenous, indigenous people and nations and communities, they're in, in a very powerful position. I was like, okay, let's go let's go learn about this and see about this. And so I felt for a long time that it was kind of shallow. I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of like a climate warrior. And, you know, I feel some alignment with indigenous folks, but I've come a long way in learning that what's good for indigenous people is good for all and really settled into it's okay to have mutual interests and it's okay to actually enjoy productive and respectful relationships together that are mutually beneficial. And it it doesn't have to feel transactional. And so, but but that's not where it started Jalen to your point and to some of Kelly's experience. When we started coaching, I just like paired Kelly up with a couple of our coaches and didn't think for a second that a couple of coaches might be intimidating. We were often working with a single coach with a single person and so that one-on-one relationships create creates trust faster generally but here i here i was like oh i'll add another person that'll be good meanwhile it was like (laughs) not the right experience for kelly i didn't even think about the intimidation or the power dynamic Um, thankfully it was um 
Kelly kind of saw past and could see a few of those signs that I was like trying. Um, but it was a not a good start. It was definitely like a transactional business relationship to start, to your point. And Kelly actually started to share about this because she could see we were trying a little um, and shared that we could take some race equity training. So right away we did. Kelly, uh, we signed up for some workshops with Kelly and her team. That was uh, even from a transactional relationship perspective, that that was important because it at least then became a reciprocal transactional relationship. Like Kelly was paying to access our coaching service and we were paying to access some workshops and race equity training. Um, and so it, at least it became a bit shared at that point. And our eyes were really opened to the implicit a bunch of implicit bias that we could we could then see and microaggressions that we could see and lots that we still don't see of course but that was a that was a i think a really pivotal shift in our relationship is that it at least became a bit reciprocal not necessarily moving out of a business relationship yet though i just want to add something uh, just because i um really think it's important for settlers to know that uh, the diversity of Indigenous peoples' lived experience and um, where, the, where our positionality. So my positionality, like I am mixed heritage. I have grown up in both my settler um, family, which is fifth generation German and um, English, and my Indigenous family. So I moved back and forth. Um, and so they call this code shifting so i learned how to survive or how to function within both both cultures and lived realities and could move back and forth and so that makes it possible for me to go into an organization like purple and be transactional get what i need learn like i knew that i was very valuable learning um, and and not be relational, just. But many other indigenous people who don't have the background that I have, they can't. They can't and should not be. We should not expect indigenous people to code shift, um, or people of color in general. Right? That's not the goal. But I'm just saying I was able to even get as far in our relationship because of that, because of my experience with that and. So another indigenous, like other indigenous people would not have been able to do to even be in that relationship. So I just wanted to point that out because um, I think that the benefit of the learning that we had, Andrew, um, with purple is because we even made it as far as we did because of who I am. And then we bridged it to, okay, now, like now, Andrew, I think that you and your team need to learn from some other uh, indigenous people on our team and so that started moving towards expanding your learning we both agreed that we needed to expand past the two of us it sounds like you know, there's this pivotal moment where you sort of the relationship became more reciprocal and that started heading things in a in a direction that they that's that's taking you to where you are now but like what what was what's that journey been from that pivot point to now the pivoting has gone a few different ways or the shift has gone a few different ways. We, we, we started um, paying for our team to join indigenized workshops um, to 
when when they start on our team, they are offered to join into upcoming workshops with Indigenized to to help sort of like uh, broaden the knowledge and awareness across our team in particular. That was that was an important commitment for us to make and an ongoing commitment. It's there's not there's not an end date to that. It's just like hey, if you're new on the team. You, you uh, need to make time for this um, and we pay for it. Um, so that, that was a shift. We also had one of our team members really get involved. Well, all, a few of us got involved alongside Kelly and her team to, to launch some workshops publicly. And we, I, I think that was like where it started to turn in, in a lot of ways, like professionally personal <laughs> with Kelly, we, we started working together, her and I in particular, on trying to launch something that was really to build a new revenue stream for Indigenized. And neither of us could do it alone. So we, we agreed to work together. And I didn't really know what we were saying yes to. And Kelly didn't know what really what she was saying yes to or asking for. But we just kind of like journeyed into it. And it wasn't something that would stand up for purple. It was really just, this is what Kelly was working on. And I knew we had some capacity to help. And so we just did really whatever. And that turned into helping sell workshops. It helped, we were helping to collect revenue and deal with bookkeeping. We were setting up event breaks, like managing inbound inquiries. It was like all this kind of like backend work um, to help make sure these workshops launched well. Yeah, we didn't really know what we were getting into, but it really turned into something that we did together as opposed to like we were coaching Kelly, which was like, again, that kind of like power over dynamic and that's that you sometimes can't really escape. This was something that was uh, really the opposite. Yeah. And the collaboration, um, you know, really, when I look back to the trainings, the workshops that we've launched, like we just didn't have the people power to get that going on our own. And some of the experience, some of the things that, you know, Purple has already well established. So um, it like really worked well to work together on that. And that's where for me, my relationship, um, my trust, I felt more trust and authenticity in Andrew and in Purple. Um, because I'm like, okay, now I've moved from a client to, um, we're going to do this together. We're doing this, you know, um, partner to partner collaboration here. So, um, yeah, I think that shift of like, we have the answers and, you know, you know, kind of like old school teacher, you know, we have the knowledge and answers and, um, and being really like client, driven is one of the things I value about um, purple and the work that we're doing, but like um, meeting us where we're at and, and then uh, taking our guidance, like this is what, how we see it and how can we support you <laughs> versus the other way around. It felt, it started feeling authentic. That's where I really like, was like, okay, yeah, this is, this is more than a client relationship. It sounded like there, there was a real clear investment in the well-being of, of your organization. So like there's some level of organizational intimacy between the two 
right? Yeah. Which then, in my experience, often you know breeds a level of, of understanding of each other that allows to generate more more success, whatever that means. Curious, what is there anything in particular that started showing up out of that deepening deepening of relationship? That not just between the two of you, but between the, your two organizations. Well, I know um, this is one of my favorite words that I've probably shared with both of you that <clears throat> like what ignited for me was hope because what what showed up for me is like we had this, first of all, huge success, huge success, like it worked out. So that always that always makes uh, helps a relationship. <laughs> and working out like we're some of the traditional working out, it was like new revenue for Indigenize. Uh, some of that resulted into a new full-time hire for Indigenize, like increased capacity, lots of learning. So it was some of like the traditional kind of working out bits that, that you would hope for in a social enterprise. Mm-hmm. But please carry on about the hope and, and where else it took us. Yeah, well, um, I remember, Andrew, a very specific conversation that stands out from all our conversations. Because another thing that's really been awesome is that Andrew and I meet once a month to talk for relationship building and we jam out and it's just it's awesome and that's not part of like the coaching relationship or anything is two organizations who want a vision and dream together and do stuff together so so but i remember this one conversation in particular andrew because it was right in the middle of so much despair you probably remember which one and we were having like another flood fire we're in the middle of the lockdown COVID lockdown and i think the two churches that got burnt here on our in our nation um like just you know they the findings of the um children at the residential schools were starting to just so much uh heavy despair like you know it's so easy to feel overwhelmed and um and Andrew and I were having one of our monthly calls and I remember us saying like this you know I don't feel like despair because I could be and I think it's because we're planning and we're dreaming and we're we're doing things together and you know even though those things don't impact those bigger systemic patterns directly but we're doing what we can within our organizations and the collaboration, the relationship, dreaming together feels like it inspires more hope. Uh, I just remember that moment so clearly of like, yeah, I do believe that when we work together and we're doing things, you know, towards a shared vision, um, it helps us keep that mobilization it keeps the momentum uh, and the hope which is essential yeah that was a particularly low day we were we met in person for for that conversation and it was like disgusting day like smoky you couldn't see across the lake um it was hot and here we were like feeling hopeful because we were working together it's beautiful I'd like to pull out some of the lessons, the pearls that, Kelly, you've already mentioned a number of them. 
settlers and settler companies can pay attention to. But I'm wondering about you, Andrew, do you have any lessons that come to mind um, that would be make things easier for others? Yeah, don't stop. That's the start. I think the biggest one is that it's a relationship. My That is the biggest one. Being in relationship with Kelly and expanding that to other Indigenous folks who have helped with some of these learnings and teachings, th- that is that is the one. I, I used to think that the goal was reconciliation, and that's kind of the pressure you get in, in the kind of business environment these days is like, do something about diversity, equity, inclusion, reconciliation, and you, you kind of get guided into whether you want to or not, workshops and trainings and build a reconciliation plan. And while those things are important, there's sort of two things that really popped out of it for me that took a long time to sort of like pull out was like reconciliation is is the wrong target for me in particular anyways. And, and I expect for others too. And it's the relationship that should be the, the goal. Because if we have relationship, then we can do things together. We can achieve change. We can find hope. Um, it's much more likely that we can achieve some of those things that might be on a reconciliation checklist or plan uh, that like we, we, we are unlikely to achieve those things outside of relationship. We have to be in relationship and like trust, respectful relationship. And we can have some fun along the way. That, that, that was like a, a nice like shift of it. Like, I think a lot of settlers come into this work feeling shame and about what has happened and what is continuing to happen. Like the terrible, terrible things that are continuing to happen to indigenous folks and being in relationship can change that. You get friends, you get hope, you get, you can both benefit from the relationship and maybe we'll get reconciliation, maybe, but at least we'll have a nice relationship the whole way along. Andrew, one of the things that really stands out for me and that I think that can be helpful for other settlers who are learning how to be in better relationship with Indigenous peoples is um, that one of the reasons why it's so important to, to not only learn through books, through saying the right thing that getting that land acknowledgement down or being politically correct and having all the right words um or even behaviors you know like what stands out for me is you were learning about how to make space you know the agreement take space or make space so if you have more privilege and power in a space you know like depending on your positionality like step back, give space for those marginalized voices. So this is one of the teachings that more and more people are coming to know. But on the other hand, stepping so far back that you're not saying anything can then become like a silent bystander, right? So it took, it took being in spaces with us, being in relationship with indigenous people um, who are willing to do that emotional labor to give you that feedback, to say when you show up that way in space and you totally step back, that does how it lands for me. I know your intention was good, but the impact is I felt like you were just being a silent bystander, not doing any of the emotional labor and you're not, you're not being an active participant in this um, 
relationship building. Yeah. And the learning I had was around that teaching was that I was making space, but I wasn't taking any. And um, I was nervous to take any space because of the positionality I come into this with and found out through a lot of learning that and getting called in was that I do have a welcome place in this work and in these relationships. And, and if I'm going to show up, I actually have to give an offer and sometimes take the first step because it's unlikely that someone's just going to like hand me the right first step or, or a next step, even whether it's forward or backward. And, and I can't just show up and wait and listen all the time. Um, if I do such that, I'm just there to consume the knowledge and the learnings as opposed to also give. And by just, by not taking any space, by being silent and, and a consumer of, of the relationship, at best, I'm enabling status quo. And at worst, I'm perpetuating ongoing harm. Like silence is deafening, more deafening than speaking up. And, and that's more harmful than actually taking a misstep oftentimes the 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 misstep is like uh is less harmful than not taking a step and so i like saw i i continue to see and learn like my intention was so different than the impact of my behavior as you point out and and to your to, to that teaching or lesson kelly of make space take space i have to take some i'm i'm in rooms i'm in conversations where sometimes I'm the only white male and it's, it's like harmful or intimidating sometimes for an indigenous person to, to uh, speak up. Whereas I can, and the harm that is likely to come that might come from me for speaking up is honestly, mostly a myth. I'm not going to get harmed by speaking up. Awesome. Thank you, Andrew. Um, and I, I want to add to that, like, the courage it takes to make mistakes is what is going to move us forward. I think that's partly why a lot of um, people totally keep fully stepping back, um, thinking that that's doing is a better, that's better at building relationship than taking up all the space as the status quo, right? Um, but also being willing to be in that dance, right? It's, it's there's no clear path right? We're, we're all learning and being willing to make mistakes is the way forward. And so that takes humility and courage. And that's what, you know, that's what I've been seeing in, um, in our relationship and, and our partnership between our organization is that courage and patience, like things are going slower because we have to do that relational work. I've noticed that in another partnership where it's like wanting it to go fast and not wanting to do this extra work, hard work of working through hard stuff. It's an extra commitment. Um, I just want to share one more um, quick thing, you know, around it's not that hard to invite in and make space for, you know, indigenous knowledge and wisdom peoples that are in the circle um it's something simple sometimes like hey kelly what do you think do you, you want to share you don't have to but what do you think about that because it's really hard um as a 
the communication patterns, the tempo. Um, uh, uh, we have cultural differences on the tempo of our communication. So like uh, mo more indigenous people are used to waiting for a space to speak. And like in many settler spaces, there are no spaces. <laughs> you have to interrupt. You have to jump in and push your way in there. And that's so like culturally rude. And so um, if you're going to make space for other cultural voice of other voices of all cultures, but especially indigenous people's voices, like slow the tempo down. If it's going fast, like try a different way to have run the meeting or the communication. Um, ask, say, ask for opinion, invite in voice. So I just wanted to add that too as something that's been that's important that um, you can only learn in relationship with each other. And we have so much to learn. Yeah, absolutely. That's something that's become really apparent to me as I'm listening to the two of you. I'm talk thinking about like the, the, the challenge and the vulnerability or the courage and vulnerability to, to go through this process of learning. It seems to me that if it weren't for, if the relationship weren't there, I wonder if it would have happened. Because you know, I feel like the relationship is something as a, as a container that can that can hold that, whereas you may not feel like Andrew, you may not feel this uh, the same freedom to like make mistakes if you didn't have relationship and know that you you know there was room for that. Uh, and experiencing uh, respectful relationships gives me more courage to make mistakes earlier in other relationships that we're building now. Um, so in so many ways, uh, Kelly and our, you have really enabled me to continue to learn um, wise practices, learn what not to do, learn what to do with others faster um, because of your generosity inside our relationship. I feel like we're found a place of of closing at this point. And I'm just wondering if there's any last thoughts you'd like to share as we close out. Part of the reason that I invited or asked if you'd be open to having um, both of us on this um, interview is, is because really exemplifying the main point of it is that for us to learn and understand, deepen our understanding, you know, shift our ways of knowing and being um, it's in relationship. It's our, we have a word in our language called pach in our instruction language of um, my um, silk heritage. And pach means the spark that comes from the being in relationship with others, like the tension between our diverse thoughts and opinions and ideas. Like, so that spark, the pach is like the enlightenment. And so um, the better we get as humans <laughs> to be able to be in relationship with each other, the more pach we're going to have, the more enlightenment, the more we're going to continue to deepen our understanding and, and know how to move forward uh, to create a better future, be better ancestors for our people to be. I'm going to have to learn that word, pach, the spark. Mm -hmm. Jalen, you asked about some of the resources internally and externally. Um, to include like in the podcast links. 
I think it's really important to include the links for Kelly's for Indigenous upcoming workshops, the kin kinship's upcoming workshops. Those are those are some of the starting points, yeah. are, are a good starting point for lots of people. Yeah. Um, some of the other uh, kind of readings that have been helpful over the last few years along this journey, there were two that really kind of, well, three that really kind of got me started on it. Like braiding sweetgrass, I'm sure has come up in other podcasts as, as an important uh, listen or, or read. Some a little bit more specific in kind of like social enterprise and social sector. There's one called uh, Winners Take All, uh, which was a really uh, humbling read for anyone in the social change movement who um, identifies or presents as white. It's a pretty humbling read. There was sort of like some follow-on reading recommended in there, a book called Decolonizing Wealth. And it really is about like indigenous wisdom in wealth and really uh, seeing how that can be used to uh, sort of put some balance back into wealth because it's deeply unbalanced. Um, so those, those ones have come up time and again in this kind of movement. And then another really important read that might have come up in particular around the Pacific Northwest is Indigenomics by Caroline Hilton. Uh, that, that's been a I like an inspiring read about the power of indigenous entrepreneurs and, and indigenous social entrepreneurship. It's the fastest growing kind of segment of entrepreneurship in Canada and billion dollar industry. Like, and most people are ignoring it. I want to thank the both of you for showing up for each other and also for the listeners and to share your journey, because I think that, you know, Kelly and I had been talking about how we can tell a story that will help others understand and it seems like there's like the two of you sharing your story is probably a great start and thanks for taking the Thank time you. i really um like your questions and thanks for holding this conversation with us yeah thank you i hope you enjoyed this episode and found it helpful be sure to subscribe so that you can be notified when new episodes are released if you've created a business that's a force for good and you'd like to share your story of challenge and success go to questio.us slash podcast and click on the share my story button.